appreciate the time. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I obviously wanted to talk to you about the new song and, and whatever dirt I can get out of you about the new album and, and get your opinion on a couple things and uh, see what you've been up to during this pandemic. One of the things I know that you've been doing, I encroaching on MySpace a little bit, dude, with this uh, singer speaking and, and interviewing bands. And uh, you can do a radio show next, too. I mean, it's not enough that you can already sing and dance and move on stage. Like, you got you to gotta break into my world now interviewing bands. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just, uh, I, do, I do a little differently, you know, I, I, it's not so much an interview as more as it's just kind of like, honestly, things I want to know about some of these people. No, it's, I get it's it. It's really just more of a conversation. Uh, you know, I'm joking, of course, but yeah, no, it's great uh, because you you can speak a different language than I can with with somebody that does what you do for a living. Like the one with Luke Spiller was great. Yeah, it was. It was it's, it's a fun thing to do every now and again. You know, it's uh, it keeps me busy when there's just dead periods. You know, thankfully I'm back doing Joyce Wolf stuff again with the guys, so that's that's definitely <laughs> taking up my time again. Did you ever figure out a way to to podcast or to record those uh, those episodes? Yeah, I did. Uh, I, f- I figured out a better way to do it. I, again, it was really just kind of like a fun thing that I would do every now and again. Nothing too serious, you know? Bummed I missed the conversation with uh, you and, and Ben Flanagan. I love Black Map and I love that dude. Yeah, that was early on when things, uh, <laughs> when my way of recording it wasn't so good and it disappeared, which was unfortunate. Have you been doing anything else besides that? I see you're doing some clothes shopping. Have you picked up any other hobbies during this quarantine, or has it just been mainly now work and getting back to work? I haven't really strayed much. You know, I'm always writing and I'm always singing and just trying to keep the, the gears turning, you know, I guess, you know. All right, let's let's dig into the new tune. What can you tell me about Odyssey? Really cool video. Like, did you guys get to uh, kind of storyboard that out and direct it, or you just give the the guy the song and say, "Here, you figure it out," and and we'll give a thumbs up or a thumbs down if we like it. It's kind of a, mi- oh, a mixture of both, I think. Um, it definitely some artistic liberty is taken. Again, the, the song itself was supposed to represent. I was inspired by Homer's The Odyssey. It's an old Greek epic, you know, one of the oldest in you know Western literature. It's hard not to say that and, <laughs> and not sound pretentious, but I don't know. I just loved the story, and I I thought of it as a challenge. I, I want to be able to take this story or at least an aspect of the story and put it into a song. That was where my head was at making that song and it just inspired me heavily. And I loved this the core characters, you know, the the father and the mother and the son. A very familial coming together message. I think it came out uh, pretty damn good. Yeah, I love the tune and and obviously a great message behind it too with family and bonding. I think we could all use that as a world. But the other thing that really caught my ear listening to the tune was the gang vocals going on behind you during the chorus. That seemed kind of like, ooh, I don't know if I've heard this before from, from the wolf. I mean, you know, we're always trying to do different things. I mean, like I always tell people that I'm like, if you think we're going to do everything that we've done again, it's probably not how it's going to go. At least uh, definitely on my end, because, you know, I I just I want more for myself than what I've done. And I think Odyssey is a good indicator of where I'm going. I love it. And and let's get into where you are going and and the record and who are you working with? Who's producing this one? The producer named uh, Jay Rustin. He's uh, done Anthrax. He's done The Stone Sour. Tons of other people. His resume is kind of ridiculous. But uh, yeah, we played it live to tape. 
And he's just the perfect match for us. He just knows exactly what we want and how we want to do it. So at this point, what can you tell me? What dirt can you give me? Is the album done? Done? Or with this <laughs> whole pandemic going on, are you taking some more time to maybe rework, twiddle, add some more bells and whistles, or maybe even write some more songs? Where, where are we at right now? We have a couple of songs like nearly complete it is not done not by a long shot <laughs> we kind of got derailed on our progress but uh we're back at it now and i think the guys and i are just really taking our time on it you know we don't we don't want to rush something and i think if we're going to put anything out it has to be our best and i think um i think we'll definitely see some more singles this year but i wouldn't expect another like an album until uh 2021 holding back during the, during the pandemic. Makes sense if you can't go out and tour the record. It's kind of hard to, to throw it out there. I mean, we're just going to be working on it for a while. You know, I think I think our plan is to write like 40 songs for it. So I think, and complete them. So I think we have quite a long way to go. And it just uh, thematically, you know, like I'm focusing a lot on, again, on the story of the Odyssey. And that's what's inspiring me for this, uh, this this project currently. Would you go as far as to say it's a concept album then? I think um, I think you could say that, yeah. Wow, and 40 songs. Is it going to be like a double album? Are you planning on putting all that out or are you going to like do <laughs> no, part a, No, no, I, th- I think it's more like we're going we're gonna to pick from the crop. So like the best 12 just, out of the 40 or whatever it is? I mean, just, pretty much, yeah. I think we're just going to keep writing until we have the perfect ensemble, I guess. Whatever, whatever completes the story that you want to tell, I guess. Yeah, you know that's the hard part. That's the tricky part. <laughs> is is navigating everything. Um, it's it, that my process is pretty. It's pretty liquid. Like I, I can. I'm always thinking about the same things for different songs and wording them differently so that everything can still connect. And that's part of the challenge for me. Are you the kind of writer that, you know, sits down with a pen and paper and and prescribes writing time, like sets aside time and says, you know, from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., I'm doing nothing but writing lyrics? Or do you kind of just wake up in the middle of the night and sing melodies or, or scribble lyrics down on your phone and, and send it to yourself? How, what's that process like for you? It's like a little bit of both. I, I think it's like very fractal. Of like, oh, I'll, I'll be thinking about the melody a lot once I have the melody, which is usually pretty early on. And then just I'll, it'll just keep repeating in my head. And I'll think about the story that I want to tell or what the music is saying. And I try to translate that. And sometimes it starts with like, okay, I got one word now. And then I'll finish the first verse that day. And then the second verse will show up later. It's all in pieces, you know, I really up until the moment that it's tracked. I'm still working on it. <laughs> You're kind of a, a uh, wait to the last minute kind of guy. Like you were the guy doing your homework, like, you know, as you were walking into class. I mean that's true, but but I think it's more more like I'll have I'll have the majority of the skeleton done, like the majority of the song will be done, but I'll always have little things that I really won't know if they'll be included until I record it. So you almost write more than you need, and then figure out how you want to scale it back. Yeah, it's worked really well for me because you know you you I want to try as many things as possible. I want to try to push it as far as I can get it, you know, and uh, yeah, it's it's, it's definitely a, like a fractured process. And it, it just it really, the, the life of the song is over however long we're working and recording on it. How has uh, Jay Rustin factored into that process? I imagine he's pushing you in new ways and getting you to think about things differently. I think he and I are, are definitely in the same headspace. I think he knows exactly what I'm trying to do. And, and all he does is just make sure he, he gets the best version of that from me. 
And again, I think you can really hear that in Odyssey because I sang my butt off. I'm proud of it. I, I, I really want to keep pushing myself as a vocalist because, like I said earlier, I've, I, what I've done so far, I'm not very satisfied with. And on this next record, I'm trying to get to a closer place of personal satisfaction. I know. I can't wait. I mean, I remember talking to you a year ago when you were out with Buck Cherry or a year or so ago. And you were saying at that point, like, oh, this EP is nothing. Wait till we get to the album. You were already working on it back then. It's definitely a trial because, you know, something that sounds like a good thing one day, you know, doesn't sound as good. So you kind of but the thing is, you you should still try to finish it and go from there. And uh, yeah, it's just that's the process is, you know, it's great when music finally gets, gets out there. Like Odyssey's been out there for like two weeks now. And uh, again, the response has been really great and means a lot to the guys and I. And um, it's already, you know, like it was like the forefront of my mind. Like I like the song needs to go out. I want people to listen to it. And now I'm already on to the next thing. Wanted to talk a little bit about live shows and certainly a great tour that you did last year since we got no new tours to talk about. I want to look backwards a little bit. Great to see you guys in downtown Riverside at the Fox Theater playing with the legendary Deep Purple. And I got to know any any highlights or stories or or advice from either of the Ians or Roger or anybody else in the in the band. Kind of recap that Deep Purple tour for me. The 2019 is a, is a blur because <laughs> like 120 gigs in like seven and a half months was a lot. We had never done anything like that before. So it was truly... <laughs> It was an exercise. Let's just leave it at that. You know, I had I had pneumonia on that tour. I I broke my foot <laughs> on that tour. Wait, wait, how'd you on, break on your that, foot? Oh, you know, I was doing my stuff. I, I jumped, leaped off the stage uh, one too many times, and I guess one time I just landed a little wrong. It wasn't serious. Like I didn't even know I did it until I got home. <laughs> <laughs> when I went to the doctor, I was like, "Yeah, my foot hurts." <laughs> so wait, I don't, don't, don't slack on the story. I want to hear how the bone broke. Tell me, tell me what you did. Um, it was, it's just the the pad, just the pad. I just kind of fractured the pad, like right below my toes, right, right below, right below my big toe. I just pretty much put a crack in it. <laughs> oh, where were you? What stage were you on? Where'd you fall off? Uh, I, it was actually, I think it was. Um, to be honest with you, I really do not know when. Because I kept doing it night after night, like even after I started to feel pain there. <laughs> so I really didn't. I, did, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't super serious, but it, it was just funny, you know. He's like, "Well, you gotta let you know." The doctor's like, "You gotta lay off that." And I was like, oh, "I can't." So any any uh, any any conversations, any any moments with the the Deep Purple dudes specifically? Oh yeah, all of them, all of them. Uh, Pace, uh, just Steve. All of them, seriously, are just uh, are just the best. They treated us way better than I think they had to or that we deserved. And I remember my favorite moments were Steve, the guitar player's daughter, was watching our show. She is handicapped. I remember my tour manager came up to me and he said um, she really loved your performance she wants to meet you you know I was taken back and I was of course you know and uh, I went and hung out with Steve's wife and his daughter and, and uh, his son backstage and uh, I got to meet this wonderful wonderful human and she was so sweet I could feel how big her heart was and uh, I sang a Ray Charles song to her gave uh-huh. her a hug and spent some time with her and I think I think that was uh, definitely definitely one of my highlights of my life I think I just there was just something so pure 
insecure about that moment. And uh, I, I, honestly, it's one of those weird things where I feel like I was emotional even like remembering it. It was it was just such such a, a nice thing, you know. Um, and then Ian Gillen, uh, he came down for my uh, 25th birthday. He came down and wished me a happy birthday. Talked to me a little bit. Both share a love of Elvis Presley, so ah. it, was a, it was it was a good conversation. Yeah, I saw that photo on your Instagram, and it's priceless. Like you can tell, like you're like, oh my god, the legend. Yeah, yeah. He he came down while I was eating chicken, like I was eating <laughs> fried chicken. I had like a mouthful of chicken. And he's like, it's your birthday, and I'm like, you know. Of course, that's when he has to happen, right? Yeah, my hands are all greasy. I'm like, I can't shake his hand. What do I do? You know. It was, it was, yeah, there was plenty of moments. Uh, I mean, I, I could go on and on. Like, those those guys were amazing. We were supposed to meet back up with them in Paris, France, uh, I think, like, two days ago. The quarantine had not happened, but I think I'll see them again someday, hopefully. Yeah, that's another thing I wanted to kind of talk to you about with this uh, pandemic. I was curious to see kind of, uh, sadly, how many gigs you've lost at this point. I mean, I know I got to see you, what, was it February at the Slide Bar when you played? Uh, yeah, that, um, that, that gig, um, a gig in Vegas that we played, I think, a a little bit after that and then a gig uh in uh like the last show in hollywood pretty much <laughs> before the court like like it was the last performance and then the very next like hours later they made it so you couldn't have more than like 10 people in a room together right uh so yeah we we closed the apocalypse it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty funny yeah how many dates did you lose then and i mean oh, this year man. was kind of dedicated towards writing right i mean, I mean imagine no we, we we were gonna be riding in between tours so we we had a lot planned man we had entire european tours we had european festival tours we had uh more overseas stuff we had an entire american tour earlier this spring with pop evil we had we had a lot more stuff in the works i can't talk about that wasn't wasn't uh you you know, finalized before right, everything. Right. No, yeah. So it was a, it was, it was quite a lot that we lost. Nah. I wanted to get your take on uh, virtual concerts. Those are kind of the things starting to pop up now. I don't know how much of this scene or you've heard about. I'm curious. Uh, Trivium is doing one. Your label mates are doing one at Full Sail University, locking it down. They have an opening band, and then they're doing a full set and like a meet and greet or like a Q&A afterwards, not a meet and greet, but a Q&A, and uh, doing a full set with full production and everything and charging $9 a ticket. Curious what your take on uh, on the virtual concerts. How do you feel about that? Is that something you guys might do one day? I think we'll definitely do it. I mean, I think it's the closest thing you can get to right now. And, you know, plus, you know, we're, you know, not just us, but every, every band is hurting right now. In more ways than one, trust me. You know, uh, so I think I think it's a good thing. You know, uh, we'll definitely be doing one. Probably, I think in the next probably the next month, I think we'll Joyce Wolf will be doing something similar. So uh, you can look out for that at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I see them as a positive thing. I, I think fans want to see their bands. You know, just like sports players want to see their teams. You know, sports I see sports fans want to see their teams. You know, so I think. It's just a good way to support the artists in this time where really we're just, we're all taking it up, you know. <laughs> Have you got some new moves? Have you been working on some new backflips or anything for the for the virtual tour? Oh, yeah. I had a lot of stuff prepared. Um, I'm a little rusty now because I haven't, the gym's been closed <laughs> and, I have, and uh, the gymnasium's been closed, so I haven't been able to train as much as I was. Again, the show at the Sly Bar, obviously, I didn't have a lot of room to do no. much, but... 
<laughs> um, I think uh, when we do it, I think I'm just really going to focus on singing, sounding well, because, you know, it's it's just not the same. You know, it's not the it, You got to be in the room. got to be feeling that energy. I think for, I think uh, when I do a virtual concert, I'm really going to focus on just performing the material as best I can. Have you been uh, keeping up with your instrument? Have you been practicing at home? Well, I guess you have. Yeah, you've been doing those like one take covers. I saw you doing the uh, Queen, Somebody to Love, which was awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I, I like I like to challenge myself and I like to sing songs that are hard to sing. That's that's how I learned how to sing anyway, just keep singing songs that are harder and harder. And, you know, and uh, of course, yeah, the guys and I have a new practice space and we've been writing um, last couple of weeks and, well, you know, that'll go on in perpetuity. I've been, I've been getting a lot of work in lately on it and uh, there's only more to come. I know we're going to go finish another song in like a week or two, so that'll complete another track. So there's this there's, there's stuff going on, and I'm, I'm always doing um, exercises and <laughs> trying to keep myself loose, you know? Curious, too, with you playing guitar, like seeing you play guitar to, to the Queen track, are, are you going to bring some guitar into, into Joyous Wolf? Are you going to double up, do some, some dual lead solos and stuff on this album with Blake, or what? <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> um, I, I I, I am very much like uh, like a like a dude who plays at a party <laughs> guitarist. Like I'm, I mean, playing by myself is one thing because I can just kind of hack out a couple chords or whatever. But um, Blake is the master. He's the guitar master. He's he's got that covered. <laughs> you don't want to dirty up his sound. Yeah, pretty much. He's the lord of that section of this band, and you know, I think that's kind of how we operate. We all occupy each other's you know corners you get your own quadrant and stay in it yeah pretty much and it's just like uh anytime anyone tries to mouth off about it like they're like well do you want to play it no (laughs) (laughs) nick i appreciate all the time last couple of things for you just to have some fun and and talk about being music fans you know i I love the label that you're on roadrunner records and one of the best metal labels ever of all time and certainly you're more in the the rock space but i'm curious if you have a favorite roadrunner artist of all time you know it's actually quite funny it's not going to be who you think. When I was coming up in SoCal, when I was growing up as a teenager, but it was about 2009, and there was this local band that everybody was talking about, and they were called Young the Giant. And uh, Young the Giant released their self-titled record, I think, in 2010. I remember it was like crazy because like it was like, oh man, these dudes from Irvine just got signed to to a major. Like whoa. <laughs> And I remember I heard their song, uh, My Body, on the radio, and it was, like, earth-shattering. I loved it. I love that record to this day. And here's the funny thing. I never really put two and two together until the day that me and the rest of the guys in Joyce Wolf were in the office for the first time in the uh, in Atlantic in New York City. They were in, in our guy's um, office for the first time, and I walked in there being like, I'm going to tell this guy what's what. I'm going to tell him <laughs> what I'm all about, you know? And uh, I, I remember I walked in there, and I looked on the wall, and there was the Young the Giant's gold record on his wall. Wow. So that just took all the steam out of my out of my <laughs> engine, man. I was like, <laughs> and it was it was very weird because uh, those guys are from Irvine, and I live in Tustin. Rob and I live in Tustin. We all live in SoCal, so it was it was weird. Uh, our and our guy had uh, for whatever reason kind of zeroed in on this area. I guess yeah, that's that Young the Giant was my favorite Roadrunner band. I think uh, right on top of that, we're talking metal. It's Gojira. Oh yeah, I've just been such a crazy fan of them, man. Magma is one of my favorite records I think ever. Yeah. From front to back I just love that love the way it sounds love the songs it's awesome those pick slides are sick 
Yeah, the guitar work is is so minimalist and so impactful. And that drummer Mario's a oh. beast. My God, I remember we met them way back at Rock Allegiance. I remember Marilyn Manson had injured his leg, or as I think you remember, yeah, a couple years ago. And uh, Gojira ended up headlining that stage that night, and it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, Mario really is the leader of that band. I feel like everyone's just trying to kind of keep up with him throughout the show, and he just punishes that drum set. He really is just a a rare creature. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody plays like that, dude. Yeah, I'm super looking forward to that, that new album for sure. One last question for you, Nick. Get out of music for a little bit just to kind of get a different side of you and kind of a fill in the blank question. When it comes to blank, I spare no expense clothes ah i had a feeling you were gonna say that <laughs> the, that new blue suede suit you got no that was version one wait till you see my finished one i i think i'm gonna have some photos take it show off all of my uh my new uh future stage wear over the last couple of years like it, the clothes i wore on stage has always been important to me because it's like a reflection of myself right and i'm it just shows up getting more comfortable because i'm just uh i'm showing more and more of uh, what my I, I want my insides to look like my outsides and uh, I, I, I name my suits like I build them like I make them I just go and I find like there's things that work together that have that really have no place being worn together but I, I rock it yep. <laughs> that's just that's kind of like a little passion of mine I like just putting things together and it, it's kind of like a visual art for me I like putting together all of these random things and making it work. And one that is finished and it's blue, silver blue dragon suit. And it's just weird. <laughs> just like clothes, man. I like clothes. I like shoes. I, I've, I've always been that way. Definitely my, my father's son because he's the same way. I went to the Fashion Institute ah. um, for a little while. And Are you like going to different thrift stores and finding mm-hmm. these or things or shopping online? Or how do, how do you find your wares? Uh, I actually got a gift from Blake. He got me a gift card to Buffalo Exchange. I don't know if you know what that is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of them around here. There's one over in uh, in Fullerton, too. Um, I went to all three locations, and I just bought it out. And I just found anything that I thought was interesting. And um, I wear a lot of women's clothes, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you and Prince. Yeah, man. Uh, it's. I mean, it just fits me better. I'm a very, I'm a very uh, petite individual. I've always liked wearing... Um, female clothes <laughs> take that as you will <laughs> no I, I hey it's it's part of your artistry i mean i'm a, a metalhead for sure but i also love prince as well and that guy certainly had his own artistic vision about what he was wearing just as well as what he was singing or playing on guitar or drums or bass or whatever he was playing so it, it totally makes sense yeah man it's uh it's definitely something like i have a really special thing like i'm i'm, I'm weird about my clothes like i have uh i have a special jacket that i am still paying off let me put it in that perspective this was not a cheap article of clothing is it leather or something or no no it, it's armani ah. and um it is something extremely special and i promised myself i'm not gonna wear it either until i pay it off <laughs> which uh, might take a while <laughs> or i win a grammy award and that's my silly little thing for this uh, extravagant blazer that i'm afraid to wear in any other circumstance <laughs> I love it, though, setting some goals for yourself. But I'm also curious, 
this too with all these suits and everything. Isn't it a little bit cumbersome for you? You're not a guy that stands up there and, and walks up to the microphone and then walks off stage. I mean, doing backflips in a full-on suit, doesn't that get like cumbersome and hot and sweaty? Uh, I mean, I ditch like certain aspects of it, like during the show, like like the jackets that are like kind of like the more flowy, heavy part of it. I, I I seem to lose those after like the first three songs, and then uh, not really. What I do is I jerry rig um, those sports pads, you know, that people put in their shoes. Uh huh. Um, I cut up a bunch of them and I just create these super cushions and I put them in my in my uh, dress shoes so it's like so they won't hurt my feet you know go see Dr. Scholl's dude that's what I do I, I literally get Dr. Scholl's man I cut them up and I make like these super pads <laughs> <laughs> well and that that allows you to continue to perform that way I would think like the 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 like suit pants would be tight, especially being women's clothing would be a little bit tight, harder to bend the knees and that. But apparently, I mean, not. I wear I wear men's I wear men's pants too. Um, but believe it or not, I, I've only ever torn uh, one pair of pants and um, like really badly. I guess I'm just either really lucky or these the things I buy are just uh, strangely well made, even though they're cheap <laughs> most of the time. I, th- I think it comes down to you got the moves and I'm more of a ne- Neanderthal when I try to do anything physical. <laughs> That's the difference, I think. I, I'm a very bendy person. <laughs> Gumby-ish. Yes, very Gumby. My, my dad used to call me Gumby when I was a kid. That's awesome. Is that when you were playing hoops? I saw that old school throwback photo you posted of basketball. And- when, I, when I was a little kid, yeah. I, I played I played hoops my whole life, man. That was my thing up until like the end of high school. And then I, I quit and I started pursuing being in a band, being a singer. So at Lakers, or Clippers? Clippers. Ooh. Honestly, it depends on wh- which Lakers we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on who's on the team. Um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm very much about eras. I'll, I'll say uh, my team is Golden State. My team is Golden State. What? Always. Yeah, man. I'm from NorCal. <laughs> I thought you are from Tustin. Oh, well, I live in Tustin, but I'm from Monterey. Ah, okay, okay. I'll let you off the hook. Then. Yeah. That makes sense. Golden State. Oh, kidding me. Golden State's amazing. And I've been a Golden State fan way before they were winning. I'm their fan while they've been losing. You know, they're, they're my team, man. Them and uh, I, was a, I was a Celtics guy and I was a Golden State guy. Uh, I loved... Uh, uh, you know, I loved Showtime, Lakers, freaking, you know, yeah. Kobe and Shaq, you know, like that, that was, how could you not love that? Did that you watch amazing. the Jordan doc? Did you watch the last dance, the Jordan doc? Oh my God. I, I've watched it like seven times. I, so I'm a good. huge basketball, huge Michael Jordan fan, dude. I know everything about Michael Jordan. He is my, he's my biggest inspiration in life. When I was a kid, man, I was, 1998, I was four years old and I was sitting there glued to the TV watching that freaking playoff conference, dude. Absolutely just shivers down my spine reliving that and getting to relive the 90s yeah. in the last band. Yeah. Just like being like, oh my gosh, I want to be like Mike. I remember <laughs> singing along to that in the car. Donald's. Seeing Carmen Electra. It was so 90s. Yeah. Yeah. When you, yeah, when, yeah, exactly. When are you going to see Larry Bird and Michael Jordan playing crazy horse for a god dang Big Mac? <laughs> <laughs> That just really showed that that Mike is truly the goat. I mean, the greatest of all time. I mean, I, oh my, no, no question. The NBA just put out a a mixtape of all of his career highlights, like all of them. It's like 15 minutes of highlights, and you just don't see anyone play the game like he did. There are great players, like the greatest player in the game today is LeBron James. There's no question, and and all that stuff. But no one had the flair, the fluidity, the charisma, the power, the domination. He was just he he he's art. 
artwork. He's honestly like he, he's more inspiring for me than like people in the music industry. Like my two guys when I was growing up, it's like my big three was like James Brown, Elvis Presley, and Michael Jordan. Those are my guys. <laughs> Those are my dudes. It's the truth though. Whenever I watch that man, I get so inspired. I watch old '90s basketball games like all the time. I'm, I've watched probably almost all of them twice. That's available. I, I got to say Jordan number one for sure, but R.I.P. Kobe number two. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, he was. I had a great story for that. I my father's friend, who was my uh, my teammate on my on my AAU team as a kid, had uh, tickets. Had great tickets to um, the, state, the Clipper Laker game, and it was back when Baron Davis was still on the Clippers. Right. And I remember we got to go in early. We had these VIP tickets. We got to go in there before anyone was in the gym and while players were warming up. And I got to see uh, Kobe Bryant doing shoot around, and I saw Chris Kamen and, uh, and Baron Davis and stuff. And also, funny enough, which is really ironic because I ended up, I didn't get to tell him this, which I'm, I'm annoyed, but I'm sure I'll meet him again. Slash was rehearsing. He went on in the center court and he was rehearsing the national anthem. Ah. And I was probably 10 feet away from him watching him. Wow. Which was re- a really, really a bizarre, it was a bizarre night, man. I saw Kobe Bryant, I saw Slash, <laughs> and we're sitting in, in these amazing seats center in center court. It's me, my cousin Brendan, my uncle Jim, and my dad. And we're sitting there watching this game. And it was kind of a blowout. Like, I think the Lakers just torched them, you know. Uh-huh. But I'll never forget this for the rest of my life. Kobe comes up the court. He goes left. Barron's guarding him. And he breaks Barron Davis's ankles, man. Just just absolutely shatters him. Goes up for the shot. Good. It was one of the most amazing things I'd ever witnessed in person. Yeah, that's my Kobe Bryant memory. And I'm glad I got to have that. Oh, uh, well, great story. And rest in peace. And I'm sure Slash killed the anthem, of course, right? He did. Yes, he did. And again, then you, I, or I guess coincidence that years later, I, I would meet him again, but in a completely different way. Tell your Slash story real quick, and then I'll let you go. How did you meet Slash? Well, that's, uh, that's what happened. I, I saw him that night as a kid. You know, we waved to him and whatever, and he waved back. And then, obviously, we we opened for him. <laughs> uh, Joyce Wolf played, uh, we played seven shows with them in Canada in North America um, last year. And I, I honestly, it's weird. I mean, I, I saw him plenty of times. I got to talk to him more than a few times. I never brought it up and I'm really pissed. Like when <laughs> It was literally when we were driving away from the last show before we were heading back to join Buck Cherry for some more shows. I was like, I never brought that up. I'm so stupid. I don't know why I didn't. It's such a, it's such a cute little story, I think. Oh, and I'm sure Blake was just drooling the whole time watching side stage, watching slap. I mean, we all, I mean, we really got to get, like meet them, you know, we really got to meet them and talk with them. And I got to talk with Miles, man. And, and Miles uh. was so very kind. And he said some things to me, he shared some things with me that I will cherish for the rest of my life. He really gave me a, a boost of confidence in myself. He's one of my heroes. Yeah, dude, talk about a voice and, and a workhorse. That guy, I don't know he's how he does what be- he does. He's the, best, he's the best in the business. Right now, there's no one better than him in rock and roll, no way. Dude, thank you so much for all this time. It, it's been a blast talking to you as always. Dude, you rock. Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now do me a favor and subscribe to it. Radioactive Mike Z, available on all the major platforms. And while you're at it, follow me on Instagram at MikeZ967, and I'll follow you back, bro. Most importantly, don't miss the show, Wired in the Empire, reach Saturday night, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on 96.7 KCAL Rocks.